In the United States alone, there are more than 100,000 people waiting for an organ transplant. Longstanding ethical principles govern when organs may be procured, but such principles are sometimes at odds with the wishes of patients who are seeking to donate their organs. In Canada, questions about the timing of organ procurement have been stoked by the legalization of medical assistance in dying. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Joshua Mesrich, a transplant surgeon and associate professor at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. Dr. Mesrich was interviewed by Lisa Rosenbaum for a recent Perspective article on the evolving ethics of organ donation. Dr. Mesrich, in Dr. Rosenbaum's Perspective article, she describes the case of a patient you cared for, WB, who had ALS and wanted to donate his organs. So can you describe some of the barriers you faced when you were trying to help him honor that wish? Absolutely. So when WB first came to see me, I was in my clinic and I was somewhat surprised because I was doing living donors evaluations for kidneys and he came in a wheelchair. And it turned out he had ALS and he wanted to donate a kidney now as a living donor and then in the future, the rest of his organs. He was a really remarkable guy who had at first struggled with his diagnosis, but then he realized he was going to die, and he started doing things to protect his organs because he wanted his death to be worth something. We got to know each other well, and we ultimately decided not to proceed with a kidney donation at that time because he still had a lot of value and enjoyment in his life, and there was too much risk that the surgery itself could lead to him losing what he had left. But then he actually said, do your homework. I want to donate all my organs before I die. And the truth is we have been able to proceed with donation with some ALS patients, but they've been in the setting where the patients were intubated in the hospital and then had support withdrawn in a standard fashion. And we did it through our DCD or donation after circulatory death process. WB wanted to do the donation really before he died. And we came up with this plan or this idea that Once he reached the point that he no longer had enough value in his life, that he was ready to die, that we would somehow try and bring him in the hospital and proceed with donation. And what we came up with was that we would, instead of trying to take all his organs out, because that would really go against the principle of the dead donor rule and would lead to his death, that we would try and take just a single kidney out as a living donor and then recover him from surgery and then have support withdrawn with his family around. This seemed like a good compromise at the time. Some people might call that imminent death donation. We had a big ethics meeting at our university, and there was actually a lot of support from the ethics committee and the leadership of our hospital that we would be honoring his wish. But then the challenges arose, and we had a legal review, and there was a discussion that it was possible that if we proceeded with this, we could be charged with accelerating his death or even murder. And it would really be up to the decision of the district attorney and the leadership of our state. And after evaluating that risk, there was really no way we could proceed with that donation at that time. And we did at that point try and consider whether we could proceed with a standard donation. In other words, when WB got sick enough that he would come to the hospital and then we would try and withdraw support in the standard DCD process. But timing that was just so difficult. And ultimately, unfortunately, he died at home in hospice. So stepping back a bit, you talked about the dead donor rule. What are the origins of the dead donor rule? And in what other types of cases might it limit the number and the quality of organs that could be procured? It's a really interesting question and topic. The dead donor rule is not a law, but it's an ethical principle 
that organ donation should not be the cause or lead to the death of a donor. And that concept has been around really for most of the history of organ donation, certainly since the definition of brain death, which initially was in 1968 and then ultimately became a law throughout the country in 1980. And certainly since that time, this concept has been there. And I think in general, it's a good concept. We have to remember that in the early days of organ transplantation, especially when cardiac transplants started out, there was a lot of fear in the country that these docs were taking their loved ones' organs away. And because the outcomes of transplant weren't that great and the public didn't know that much about it, it was sort of a dangerous time. And I think when we know that transplant depends on the public trust, having this type of ethical norm is a good thing. I think now we're in a different era, of course, and I think most people would agree that organ donation is a wonderful opportunity for donors and that transplant is really so great. But there are some scenarios where the dead donor rule could get into people's way. I think if you've reached a point where you're terminally ill and you know you're going to die and maybe you're ready to move on to that phase of hospice or preparing for death, there are some people who would want to be able to donate organs as this final gift or this beautiful legacy. And sometimes the dead donor rule can get in the way. If a patient becomes brain dead, which is a definition that is accepted and equivalent to legal death, then the organs can be taken out while the heart is still beating. But many people don't become brain dead. And in that scenario, we can't remove organs from donors until they become dead, meaning their heart stops beating. Not everyone dies fast enough to be able to be organ donors. So you can imagine there are scenarios where people want to donate and they just don't qualify for this. Canada legalized medical assistance in dying in 2016. How has the conversation about the ethics of organ donation changed because of that decision? What about patients who are looking for medically assisted death and looking to donate organs? I would say in this country, there hasn't been a lot of discussion about that topic. I think what is being discussed is this concept of imminent death donation that I mentioned, where perhaps either in the scenario of ALS or other neurologic diseases where a person has first-person consent, could one organ be removed before death? Some people talk about that in the terminally ill patients, say, who suffered a stroke or some other scenario where they aren't able to give first-person consent, but if the family, the next of kin, wanted to do that, could that be done? I don't think that's really happening yet, but there's a lot of ethical discussions about that. I think in the scenario of medical assistance in dying, because so few states have adopted that in this country, I think there's been a hesitancy to really discuss whether that could then lead to organ donation. I think that the reports that have come out of the Netherlands and Belgium and now coming out of Canada are really fascinating and I think will stir up a lot of this conversation. And I think it's really important to remember that we do have this long wait list and of course we want to serve our recipients, but it's really important to think about the donors as our patients too. I think being involved in organ donation is one of the most beautiful things I can do in my life and being able to talk to the families and see how much they get out of the donation, how important this gift and this legacy is. I think the right way to look at it is to think, how can we help those patients of ours that want to give this gift? And I think as we start thinking more about medical assistance in dying, it may be something we could consider as a community. It's important that the two things are separated. The patient and the family make the decision that they're going to head in that direction. And then after that, then the discussion can occur about organ donation. So most people wouldn't think 
you would go in and take all the organs out of someone, take their heart out, and that would be technically the cause of death. I think most people would think the patient would proceed with the standard protocol of dying through that process, and then once their heart stopped, the organs would be removed in the standard DCD process. I don't think there's any ethical problem with that, in my opinion, but I think it is something that will need to be discussed both among practitioners and among the community to make sure people have a belief in that and can accept that and think it's a good thing to do. Transplant, of course, depends on the public trust. And I think the public may be supportive of this, but it's important that they're involved in that discussion. In fact, you told Dr. Rosenbaum that despite your experience with WB, you continue to support the ethical principles behind the dead donor rule. So why is that the case? And I think this is a really interesting topic. So there's some ethicists that will say, well, brain death was essentially a made-up definition or a term that was defined both to help to deal with patients in the ICU that were terminal and had no hope of recovering, but also for organ donation. That said, I think it's fair to say that it's a line that's been drawn that's been very accepted, that most would agree that brain death is a non-recoverable situation, a situation where supportive care really should end. And I think it's been well accepted. I think there's a lot of confusion around what death really is. And I think when you start to blur that, it can be very confusing for both practitioners, but also for families, for patients. And I've spent a lot of time talking to donor families and to patients, and there's just a lot of different beliefs about the end of death. I think it's really important to keep transplants separate from the cause of death. I fully believe in organ donation. But I think at the same time, it's important that there's clarity that the transplant itself is not what leads to the death of the patient. I think there are ways to still honor donation without going against that concept of the dead donor rule. And again, imminent death donation would be a good example of that. I think the DCD process is an example as well. It can get frustrating or hard when you take a family who wants to donate and you perform the DCD process and their loved one doesn't die in the time allotted and they don't end up donating organs. And I think that is a real challenge and could be really a double hit for the family. But at the same time, I would be hesitant to think that it would be okay to take a patient who's clearly alive and remove their heart, say, and that would be the cause of death. I think perhaps we could honor this desire for donation by removing a kidney or another organ without leading to their death. And to me, that probably would fit more with separating donation from causing death. So finally, and carrying off on what you just said, is over time, do you see any path forward for increasing opportunities for organ donation while not threatening public trust, while not deterring donation in general? And how do you think those kinds of decisions are going to get made? I do see a path forward. I think articles like this are very important. I think it's been a long fought battle for some states in our country to adopt some version of medical assistance in dying. It'll be interesting to see if that gets adopted more over the country. And the more people talk about it and think about it, I think maybe the more people will be behind it. And then we could get to a point where we're able to consider what Canada is now reporting in some other countries. And I think that can be done in a very ethical way. I also think imminent death donation is something, particularly in this scenario with first-person consent, that we really should consider and do in this country. I think it's really important to have more public discussions and really get a sense of where the public is on this. In a lot of ways, I think the public is often ahead of the medical community and how they can accept this. And I do think organ donation is very supported. And so I do think as there's more discussion, 
I think we probably will get to a point where more people are able to give this beautiful gift. I think it would be great if more people had advanced directives. And in that discussion, there could be discussion about what they want. If they reach this point where they're ready for support to be withdrawn, could they get first-person consent to donate these organs? So all of these things, I think, can be really positive. I also think technology is improving our ability to put organs on pumps and repair them may allow us to be more successful with DCD donation. So I'm very optimistic that we are going to get to a point where more and more people can give this incredible gift. And again, the more it's talked about, the more articles like this come out and hopefully there's more public discussion. I think it will move the needle in that way. Thank you, Dr. Mesrich.